0: Keep coming cauliflower cheese. 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 Cauli, cauli, colly, cauliflower. Welcome to Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. And yes, it is your delightful, highly esteemed, wondrous host. It's Chappie the British Butler, and it's rather wonderful to have you here on a rather stormy, slightly cooler, cooler, I would dare say autumnal uh, afternoon, Friday afternoon here in Colorado, and it's a wonder to have you here again, I, I can't believe it, every week you turn up. And you uh, dive in and indulge and smother yourself in the whimsy, in the nostalgia, in the naughty cheekiness of keep coming, Cold off our cheese. It's a 22nd episode, folkies, and some of the things we may or may not be talking about today. James Blunt's masculine posing led to scurvy. Gardner's search for the ooze control after a surgeon slugs aromas of damp dog and burger give candles the whiff of normality and a woman at 103 has got her first tattoo and what's the buzz about honey is it really a miracle food and I think uh, my Corgi Maggie may be challenging a Scottish rugby team uh, they're at the moment lubing up their sporans, uh getting a little bit of that uh, baby talcum powder in their hands so nothing slips and uh Maggie's chewing a uh, elk antler, trying to get ready for the, uh, for the tug of war. Um, some of the other things that we may be talking about today. Breast milk ice cubes could deliver protective antibodies. And bones from 240 million years ago reveal reptiles had an enormous lunch. So we're having some of our regular features as well today. Some scallywag darts. We delve into them as heinous headline crimes and sort of rate them in a darts like arrows, like fashion. Um, We uh, also uh, will be having some uh, uh, East Anglian or English pub games uh, reminiscing uh, how they used to spin the wheel and uh, slung the arrows and, uh, you know, pay with maybe their left hand uh, with a leg in the air and a trouser leg rolled up and a knotted handkerchief on all these very weirdly eccentric uh, English uh, pub games will be uh, will be recreated so we have the Scallywag Darts Uh, we have um, another little episode in uh, medieval Tinder Um, we're going to be looking at uh, some of the uh, gayest monarchs in Christendom this week in our, uh, in our little tinder uh, ancient historical reenactment. But absolutely marvellous to uh, have you along for the ride today and it's going to be a wild bucking bronco, wild boulevard ride. So scurvy used to be an ancient sailor's disease and uh, that's partly why the uh, Yankee Doodles Americans call us limeys or the Brits limeys. Because we didn't have enough citrus fruit on our long nautical travels. And um, they called us limeys. Or well, it should be without lime's, I guess. Because scurvy is a cause we didn't have enough vitamin C. Mainly through the, uh, the citrus fruit. But James Blunt's masculine posing led to scurvy. Scurvy is generally known as the disease of sailors. But it appears that fruit dodging young pop stars such as James Blunt uh, are not immune to the disease. James Blunt revealed that he developed symptoms of scurvy after embracing a meat-only diet to irritate his vegan friends. The singer-songwriter was forced to seek medical advice when his um, contrarian regime took a toll on his health. Blunt claims that he ate almost nothing but meat and condiments for two months while uh, studying aerospace manufacturing, engineering and sociology at the University of Bristol. The eccentric diet was part of an effort to assert his masculinity some of the degree classes are dominated by women, he indicated. On the sociology side, things were uh, 170 girls and only three boys. All of the girls are vegetarian or vegans. So out of principle, I decided I'd become a carnivore and just live on mince. Some chicken, maybe a little bit of mayonnaise. That sounds absolutely, uh, absolutely revolting. Uh, I don't, I, I, I honestly do think that I could uh, give up meat and uh, and then do the vegetarian thing but it, it, carbs is the hardest part for me but i mean uh, thinking of blunt like gnawing on a on a dripping blood bone of beef um to uh, to win over or assert his as, uh, masculine dominance is absolutely uh, unbelievable and ridiculous to be honest but um but you know what i i think i feel the same way about those about those lint balls I could live on the milk chocolatey, creamy goodness of a lint ball probably forever. So Blunt can have his meat, but give me my uh, balls. The lint balls, as I I should say. So gardeners search for ooze control after a surge in slugs. Emboldened by warm, wet weather and the promise of lovingly tended plants, slugs are oozing their way across British gardens and, uh, and in galling numbers. The Royal Horticultural Society has warned that the slug population will peak this month and they're coming uh, for your Paris pipers or Maris pipers. Um, the problem is so acute that Europe's only supply of worms bred to defeat slugs has reported a double digit percentage growth in sales. BASF, which breeds um, nematodes in Littlehampton, West Sussex, has increased the production of the anti slug bioweapon which rots to the pest inside. Guy Barter, horticulturist for the RHS uh, and the author of Can Anything Stop Slugs, said slug pellets are the only effective treatment and they were so toxic that gardens are restricted to using them four times a year. Um, Mr Barter said that slugs have thrived mightily in the mild wet weather, leading to a population boom in the spring. Most regions has ra- had rain in June, so they started feeding and breeding. This almost sounds like the Republican National Convention. All these oozy, slimy little creatures, uh, you know, slivering their way up to the stage, leaving a trail of, you know, creamy waste and probably, you know, bits of uh, cocaine that's fallen out of their nose. Um, but certainly an oozy trail. That's what it's, that it, That's what it reminds me of. Um, There were certainly some uh, very slug-like, slivery creatures on the stage in the last few days. Aromas of damp dog and burger give candles a whiff of normality. Forget the white musk, this year is all about the damp Labrador, or even a hint of festival toilet. Scented candles have taken an unprecedented detour, conjuring the experiences most longed for during the lockdown. Travel is always an inspiration for us. Says Paul Furman, uh, founder of the uh, Nico Dafkost candle brand in uh, Earl of East, recreating a sense of places we've traveled to have fallen in love with. With holiday plans on hold, they can create charity candle collections called Sense of Normality. We um, needed something really positive to work on, and the three cents were based on places and events that they missed this summer the cinema, the local, and the festival. Now, I'm just thinking about this you know, the cinema, maybe some popcorn maybe somebody farting behind you, um, that that whiff of sort of Clorox spray when they're cleaning, cleaning the seats. Uh, the local pub, I I mean, I love going to a local pub, love the smell of beer, but the smell of the urinals, the pisser, once um, you know it's been used all night or after like a World Cup game and that insipid ammonia smell, I, I hope they don't do a essence of uh, the, 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 the pisser at the local pub. That will be absolutely awful and the festival what would that be you know sweaty wellington boots uh m- maybe a, a sweaty uh, you know carnal ridden tent after a night of uh, how's your father and a little bit of humping delight uh is that what the s- centre of this candle would be you know uh, uh the, maybe maybe there could be a center candle called the walk of shame i mean i don't know what that would maybe a it would smell like sort of rotten haddock or something who knows um Mr. Furman, Scoss at Gwen of Paltrow's Notorious This Smells Like My Vagina, which was reissued in June, and this smells like my orgasm. Uh, I, I, what are you doing, Gwenny? I really don't, I really don't know. Um, i wonder what Chris Martin... I bet Chris Martin smells like patchouli or something along those lines. Um, but the festival mixes notes of cut grass, burnt skin, warm cider, burger vans, cannabis smoke, uh, and also the mirror shimmer of a distant portable loo. It sounds absolutely hideous um, and awful. I'm sort of throwing up into my mouth thinking about these uh, these candles here. I think we might as well just wait till next year. Uh, I think I had to go and light maybe um, you know a scented mint tea candle right now to to get rid of the the, the smell of um, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina or or maybe uh, or maybe the festival or the local pub pisser. It, it sounds awful to me absolutely uh, absolutely awful and uh it, it, i think you'd have to you have to supply a little vomit bag if you uh, if you lit one of those candles up hope she won't regret it women a woman at 103 has her first tattoo a woman aged 103 got her first tattoo to celebrate the escape from a nursing home dorothy pollock arrived at the AOL custom custom tattooing in Michigan. After a summer confined in a recent facility, Teresa Jones, her grandson's girlfriend, told the Washington Post, Miss Pollock, a former bartender and chemist assistant, retired in her mid-90s and moved into a home 18 months ago. When we couldn't take her out to her favourite bar to get a hamburger and beer in and her birthday with the COVID, we decided to bring her home with us. She's pretty much locked up in her room and was feeling down. Mr Pollock told the paper, I thought it would be a good time to start living again, and I decided what a good way to celebrate was to get a tattoo so she requested to get a frog tattoo on her left forearm ignoring any concerns that she might regret it when she's older ray reasoner the tattoo artist said that mrs pollock was a friend of the father and she was the first centurion customer he took longer than usual out of concern for the welfare of the canvas skin structure is different at that age but 103 her skin was remarkably healthy so I'm just looking at this here. It's 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 quite a nice tattoo, but you know, the lady's poor skin is sort of yellowing, wrinkly, it looks like a, a, a you know, bark of a, a bark of a tree. I suppose the um the benefit though, at least if she puts her uh, her aging lover's name, her Vi- Viagra ridden lover's name on her shoulder, there's a pretty good chance that she uh, wouldn't need a redo at 103 years old. Okay, we go live to Murrayfield. Um Rugby stadium where uh, Maggie the corgi and the Scottish rugby team—they're uh, completely uh, attired in kilts. I don't believe there's anything under there. Um, There's—I uh, think you can see the uh, maybe a couple of uh, floppy crown jewels hanging below. There's a couple of sporins there and a few uh, cheeky white cheeks. But they're lubing themselves up, lubing up the sporins as we speak. Uh, Maggie's like grinding her teeth on a on a deer antler. Uh, but here we go. That's live at Murrayfield at the moment. The protagonists are warming up, ready for the uh, tug of war battle ahead. So everybody's heard the buzz of honey, especially local honey. Um, is it really a miracle food? For centuries, honey has been around as a traditional remedy to soothe sore throats. is suffering from coughs and colds. Now it gets the green light from scientists who said it may be better than antibiotics and comes with none of the side effects when it comes to treating a range of upper respiratory tract infections. With existing evidence that honey helps childhood coughs and colds and with the National Institute of Health Uh, and Care Excellence in Public Health England already advising adults and children over the age of five taking a couple of spoonfuls of honey in place of antibiotics to uh, ease an acute cough. The latest uh, findings suggest honey should be recommended as an alternative to medication for adults with coughs. Um, The medical school said that spoonful of honey might be a better option when doctors uh, want to provide a, a, a safe option and a safe treatment. Honey is a frequently used lay remedy and is well known to patients. It's also cheap, easy to access, has limited harms when the clinicians wish to prescribe. We'd recommend honey as an alternative uh, to antibiotics. But don't expect it to uh, help you with your hay fever. It can try to power your workouts. Honey is a mix of 80% sugars, 18% water, and two percent uh, mineral, vitamin, pollen, and protein. And The blends makes it perfect for a natural alternative to the processed energy gels that you use when you're running or working out. But alas, ladies and gentlemen, it's no better for sugar than your waistline. Um, all honey has uh, antimicrobial properties, uh, but manuka honey could be a waste of your money. Um, I do like honey very occasionally if I'm not uh, if I'm not well. Uh, you know, in my tea, one of the best remedies, I think, for a cold and get out your get out your pencils, lick the pencil and your and, and, and start applying it to your notepad here. One of the best remedies is uh, boiling hot water. It's almost like a hot toddy without the scotch. Now, a hot toddy traditionally is a hot water, spoonful of honey, uh, scotch um, and lemon juice. Now, this this one, this alternative is, is, is very, very good. So it's hot water, honey, black tea, obviously has to be the PG tips, hopefully. And, uh, a, and, a, and a couple of spoonfuls of apple cider vinegar. Now that dears, will cure the most heavy cold, the most, the cold with all the phlegma and, uh, and, and, and congestion that you get. It's absolutely fantastic. It breaks it all down. You can't have too much of it because you'll be awake all night with a black tea, although you, you could do decaf. Um, and then the apple cider vinegar is a bit of an acquired taste. Not everybody likes it, but that Medeiros Madeira's is a wonderful home remedy for a cold. Try it. Let me know how it goes. So we have some great news, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I think we'll mark it with uh, maybe Big Ben. Uh, striking midnight. Um, how about a little bit of a little bit of champagne? And we'll open up another bottle as well, I think, uh, for uh, for that. That would be rather nice. Uh, maybe a comedy trombone and uh, probably a drum roll. Nothing better than hearing uh, a little bit of. Uh, frying pan going on some baking sizzling there that will be rather good and uh the news is on the up 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 um yep up it goes again so yes we have some absolutely fantastic news And what is the news I uh, that you are that, that you are asking here? And the news is coronavirus news. Breast milk ice cubes could deliver protective antibodies. So the breast milk of women has been tested positive for coronavirus contained antibodies that could be a breakthrough in fighting new infections dutch researchers have found amsterdam's university medical center has discovered that the antibodies are not destroyed by pasteurization meaning that breast milk could be administered as flavored ice cubes now i've you know i've done the gravy ice cubes before uh, around christmas time that's a fantastic idea by the way Uh, You know, you you make your gravy ahead of time and put it into an ice container and then freeze it ready for Christmas Day, dump it out. Now, that could be rather confusing if you had, you know, you had some uh, breast milk uh, in uh, in the ice tray as well. And you made you made sort of a breast milk gravy could, uh, you know, could be a little bit of a, a bit of a problem there. Um, but you know I think you should forget wheatgrass shots that's so 2006 ladies and gentlemen Uh, body juices are the new amber nectar I just hope it doesn't bring in the wrong crowd like large middle aged men who want to suckle and get their body powdered alright ladies and mantelpieces we're at Murrayfield stadium again and um, as you can see we've got a you know, a socially distanced crowd gathering to witness twelve good men our sc- uh, Scottish forefathers dressed in the uh, McDonald's and uh, and kilts a couple of Barbarosses there, a lot of red leg hair and red chest hair and all sorts of hair poking out and uh, they're up against Maggie the Corgi um and uh, maybe some of her friends, who knows. So they're digging their heels in right now. They've powdered up their hands and maybe powdered up their little bodies and uh, lubed themselves up, lubed up the Sporans. Uh, There doesn't want to be any chafing down below when it comes to a tug of war. And uh, we'll get get Maggie lined up with maybe some of her friends. And um, uh, there we, oh, there we go. So you got the rugby players howling and you got the uh, and you got the corgis and the and the corgi team and the dog team howling as well and here we go the the rugby team have a good standing position so do the corgis and here we go in the 2020 corgi versus scottish rugby team tug of war and a good standing position there for the corgis there and they're taking the strain right now and the corgis have vicious little teeth wrapped around the rope here and there's and, and the Scotsmen are, are you know are sweating and, and, and gritting their teeth and bearing the rope. The rope's chafing through the hands. The corgis I think have the edge right now. It's like they're pulling a string of sausages. The Scotsmen there, they they I, it's not the Battle of Cloddenfield to say the least here. There they go and they're pulling again here. And, and the corgis are the corgis are beginning to pull. And it's and it's and it's and, it's, and I think I think the corgis are taking it here. As I said, it's like a string of sausages or a string of snosages here, and that's how they're pulling the rugby team across. They're falling onto the ground here, kilts above their heads. And, I mean, there's some sight for sore eyes, I tell you there. Some noops and tatties on show, and uh, there we go. So the corgies have it. The corgies win the 2020, 2020 tug war competition at Murrayfield rugby football ground and congratulations to the corgis there'll be a plate of snags tonight so mummified leaves provide an intriguing climate clue exquisitely preserved leaves from a forest that grew some 23 million years ago have offered a window into how climate change may have altered the world's vegetation in the decades ahead The findings suggest that plants have, in the past experienced a carbon fertilization effect. The fossilized leaves were retrieved from a former lake bed in New Zealand from rocks formed during a warm period of the Earth's history known as the early Miocene. They were preserved so perfectly that scientists can see microscopic veins in stomata, the pores through which leaves take in air, and release water during photosynthesis. So it made me sort of think a little bit here. I wonder if 5,000 years ahead, scientists may find mummified potheads, ancient marijuana leaves, pot noodles, Ramon and Cheetos, wondering what this evolved Neanderthal did with his time. Hello there. We have uh, we have some Scalawag darts here, and uh, we're throwing the hours this week. We've got a couple of heinous crimes, and we're going to dissect them and uh, see if they're uh, Bully's special prize. Oh, sorry, Chappie's special prize. Um, the uh, triple 20, Bullseye, or Missing the Board. I think Missing the Board this week influences outrageous demands as she tries to blag a free photoshoot and then uh, i think uh, i think probably our triple 20 this week man stunned to learn random dog he spotted online is actually related to his own pup and uh, i think now we've got our uh, i think we've got our uh, bullseye this week and our uh, and our bullseye this week is woman told to burn the house down after discovering the cause of a broken toilet Sophie Pearson realised the flusher on her toilet wasn't working properly and found the problem when she looked into the cistern, leaving others to say that they would never leave the house and never, never, never return. Finding a couple of spiders on a home is enough for most of us who want to burn the whole thing to the ground. If a dandy longleg sends you running, then you can always take comfort that in Australia that unwanted house ghosts are a whole other level. Sophie Pearson from Queensland she had a Facebook showing a terrifying find. After noticing her toilet became difficult to flush, she went to flush it, and uh, and then she got a little bit uh, a little bit confused. Looking into the cistern, she found the uh, problem: four tree snakes were measuring up to a meter in length were in the in the in the john They're at the bottom of the john. So you got tree snakes in the toilet. That's definitely a a bullseye this week, ladies and man of pieces. But definitely Chappy's special prize. Man is banned from Tinder for catfishing after posing with a Photoshop baby Yoda. Chicago comedian Carter Hambly took to Twitter to share a conversation which, which he had with a woman he matched with on Tinder about Yoda doll he was sitting next to in his profile picture. When it comes to online dating, your profile is the only thing that's standing between you and the love of your life. But one man made the mistake of using a Photoshop picture and was called out by his match for being a catfish. Carter Hambley uploaded a picture of him with the Star Wars character Baby Yoda, but the seemingly obviously photoshopped image didn't go down well with his matches. Where did you get that Yoda doll? There was said, uh, it, was, it was said, Chuff went. the woman truly believed it was a doll. He admitted, ah, it's just photoshopped. Still confused, the woman hit back, no, the photo, I mean the, uh, not the photo, I mean the Yoda doll. Carter once again tried to explain it was a doll, and in a bid to move the conversation along, asked what kind of film she liked. He said, yeah, it's not a doll, unfortunately. Anyways, what kind of movies do you like besides Star Wars? But the woman took offense to him using the Photoshop and called him out for catfishing. So she wrote, so you just put a fake image on your profile and literally the definition of catfishing. You're a liar and a sneaker and I'm reporting you. So she wasn't very, very pleased. I wonder if it had been a like Jabba the hut or something. I mean, there's enough Jabra Huts on uh, online dating and probably a couple of Zaza Binks as well. Uh, trust me, um, a lot of, lot of, lot of uh, fairly dodgy Star Wars characters you would definitely swipe left to. Yes, here we go again with our little uh, medieval Tinder, tincture Tinder game. And this week we're concentrating on our gay friends here, ladies and gentlemen, Get our gay friends. And um, we've got a... Uh, a little five-star uh, British male monarchs who turned out to actually be gay. So an art historian discovered a 400-year-old portrait of George Villiers, the former Duke of Buckingham, who was thought to be the gay lover of the King James VI, and first the British ruler from 1567 to 1625. Hist- historians technically disagree over whether Villiers and King James the, uh, VI um, actually had a relationship but if they did James certainly wouldn't be the first gay um, monarch in the UK. So we had William II who ruled in 1087. A celebrated military general who pissed off his followers by raising taxes King William II remained conspicuously unmarried with no children and was said to have filled his court with attractive young men who he allegedly promoted from the bedroom and who wore fashionably pointed shoes and long hair. The head of the uh, English church, the Archbishop of Canterbury, no him through shade by attacking the effemacy of William's court and calling for the criminalization of sodomy. Uh, leading medieval historian William II was addicted to every kind of vice, but particularly lust and especially sodomy. Uh, William was shot through the heart with an arrow in the New Forest in 1100. And then we had uh, Richard I, Dick I, a.k.a. Richard the Lionheart, um, totally smashed uh, Philip II, the then-teenage king of France. Uh, They ate every day at the same table from the same dish, and every night their beds did not separate. Um, And then we had Edward II, who last week, he uh, died in Berkeley Castle with a red-hot poker up his bottom. Um, so that's our little uh, Tincture Tinder, uh, little uh, lusty Tincture Tinder game this week. No axes fell. There were no uh, axes swinging to the left this week, and uh, just a lot of a uh, lot of gay love going on this week in our Tincture Tinder. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. So stars and schoolboys agree it's time to mull it over. Is business as usual at the front and size, but at the back it's time to party like it's 1989. The mullet hairstyle, once described in the dictionary, is short at the front, long at the back and ridiculous all over, it appears to be undergoing another renaissance. Sports stars are rocking it, Miley Cyrus, uh, Jacob Elordi uh, have dabbled and private schoolboys are on and off the playing fields um, and everybody in England are growing the mullet again. The closure of the barbers during lockdown has been cited as a factor. But some point to the school rebellion. Leo Lawton, a former Radley College student, prides himself in his fiery ginger mullet as said to become a tradition. Every boy just starts out to grow a mullet, he said. It's one of those rebellious things and I think it has a lot to do with the rules and regulations they put in private schools. It's ironic because at the time, I think I was going to slightly different. I'm not going to follow a conventional haircut. It'll be radical as I can. But now everybody has one. Paul Edmonds, the award-winning stylist, has secretly crafted a few mullets, adding that the style has thankfully evolved from roots in the early 1970s. I think we have the hounds back doing the tug-of-war, to be honest, if you can hear them in the background. It has to be proportionate with the mullet. A lot of girls tend to leave the lot back longer and have quite a wispy, quite soft-layered look. Australian sports fans have been taken back by the number of mullets that have grown at the Aussie Rules football matches. The blame or credit goes to New Zealand rugby player Jack Goodo, uh, mind you he couldn't uh, could be found at the hand of frustrated partners and parents of mullet whereas good Hugh has shorn his locks this week we had a good run together but it was time for the mullet and i to part ways was it the right decision um as for miley cyrus she's taken the out of her father billy ray cyrus's book and has another key influence and has cut her hair at home and she said make me look like rod stewart um so in the mullet, I mean, what what can we uh, what can we really say about the uh, the uh, delicious mullet? So we have some latest fashion news here. Kitten heels give a stylish lift to the flip flop. There has been a debate over wearing flip flops beyond the beach. Now the latest fashion version is barely even suited to sand. Flip flops with a kitten heel—that's a slightly raised heel. Meow. Or kit flops, as they're known in Harper's Bazaar, hit the high street. They come in nude, white or black leather with a spindly little heel. Uh, I think the butler may need these kitten heels. It's like a flip-flop revolution, similar to the bra or the wonder bra. The flip-flop, though, I have to say, still does rub and irritates an excessively hairy toe. So the UK's enduring love of a thatched roof, that's a straw-laden roof, is helping traditional harvesting techniques survive in Devon. In rural Devon, centuries-old wheat harvesting techniques are alive and well, servicing the roofing needs of 60,000 British British thatched properties. The combed wheat reed used in thatching was once a byproduct of a cereal production. Today's special wheat varieties are grown specifically for thatching and harvesting as it requires a delicate hands-on approach. The process begins at the end of July when the binder is used to cut the crop and bundle it into sheaves. The sheaves are then stacked into pyramids or stooks to dry. They will ultimately be threshed to remove seeds um, for next year's crop, leaving combed wheat reed perfect for re-roofing any orange box cottage. So you see a lot of thatched roos in uh, in North Norfolk where I uh, come from. Uh, maybe the hay thatch could be a cheaper alternative, I've been thinking, to hair plugs for the balding chap. You could have a sort of a haute couture, scarecrow look going on, I would say. So we have the topless sunbathing row exposed the divide in French culture. Feminist, socialists and uh, right-wing nationalists joined a chorus of outrage yesterday after police asked topless sunbathers to cover up at the French beach. The officers who were accused of undermining a quintessentially French freedom at a time when critics say a wave of puritanical attitude is sweeping the country. Topless sunbathing has been in decline, particularly amongst younger women. The incident made national headlines after Marie... Herre brand, a holiday maker, told a local television station it should witnessed two police officers telling women to cover up at the beach in Saint-Marie-le-Mer in the south of France on th- Thursday. They stopped to talk to women about 60. We could hear what they said, but we saw this woman agitated as they left, visibly troubled, frantically looking in the bag for her bikini top. Absolute, uh, absolute disgrace here. Apparently, the gendarmes pulled out a rather stiff truncheon and asked the beach dwellers to cover up le Pomplemousse. Oh, what a couple of fun-hating soggy baguettes! Thank you very much for listening to this uh, ramshackled affair of a podcast. I like to call "Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese." Lovely to have you along uh, for the uh, for the stroll. For a, You know, it's a gentle bicycle ride with a basket and a bell. That's how I see it. And, and, and uh, follow me on Keep Cheese. Uh, I'm up on Instagram, um, Twitter, obviously, uh, all the usual platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn. And we finish with a, a little uh, late summer poem by James Brassfield. Now cosmos in bloom and snow in summer, opening along the garden stone borders. A moment toward a little good fortune water from the watering can to blossom so natural it seems and still the oldest blooms outside my door are flourishing according to their seed time they have lived as in trust of tended ground not of many seasons as lingering bud in late summer when leaves have reached their greenest when a chill enters the night when a star I've turned to, night after night, vanished in the swift of constellations, and when on a bare branch, even in August, a sprig starts, sprig to stem, as if to say, see there's kinship with the perennials, you think so hardy voice, the moment among the oaks toast, the spring in summer, as once each May a shot of vodka is poured on the bare dirt, among grey stones to quench the dead, among the first stars of this new evening." Thank you for listening to the podcast this week. Toodles, ladies and gentlemen. Cheerio. And I'll see you again, same place, same time, next week. Have a great one. Kisses to you.